From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody. Quarantine edition, our first uh, of hopefully few quarantine episodes. Hope you all are staying safe. Hope everybody's staying healthy, and most importantly, hope everybody is staying home. As you might have guessed, we're doing this episode a little differently. <laughs> we're doing it uh, remotely, so bear with us. You might notice a slight difference in uh, audio quality. It's just because we're all in different places, and we've got bandwidth we're working with, but um, the content will be as exciting as ever. I'm joined uh, once again today by LADFF Festival Director and Love of My Life, Sonia Maru. Hi. Also joining us today is filmmaker, cinephile, and a good friend of both of ours, Mr. Ryan Lason. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. Ryan's actually the reason why we met. That's true, actually. Ryan was there for the start of it. That's right. I definitely ignited the love between you two. If there was no Ryan Lason, there would be no film forward. So if you hate this podcast, you can send all of your, <laughs> send all of your hate mail to Ryan Lason. It's, it's his how, problem. How could they hate it? So... We're recording this on March 19th, Thursday, literally an hour ago. Garcetti's safer at home policy and Newsom's stay at home policy were just announced. So uh, we're going to try and help you get through this uh, this quarantining time. First of all, just want to see, we'll check in. How are you guys doing with all of this uh, social distancing, self-quarantining? How are you guys staying productive? Any tips out there for the folks at home listening? How to get through these uh, interesting times. I'm sure like you guys too, just maintaining, trying to figure this all out. It's definitely an unprecedented time for all of us here. Uh, Personally, I've definitely been taking advantage of doing all the things that I said I wanted to do, like read all those books that have been sitting on the shelves for the last like 10 years. So trying to read, watch any old movies that I can and just catch up on a bunch of writing. Yeah. Yeah, likewise. I think uh, the key for me, what has worked so far here on day four is just getting in habits. I have like these certain hours where I've been just putting down pages, you know, like five hours morning into the afternoon where I'm just, you know, in the writing zone, like that's my like time. And then I, you know, spend a couple hours after that working on LADFF stuff and you know, a few hours after that, that I've set aside for like fun project stuff that I've wanted to work on cleaning out the DVD cabinet, you know, whatever, which is fun for me. It doesn't sound like fun for everybody. That was actually number one on Nick's list of fun things to do during quarantine. Clean the DVD cabinet. <laughs> yes. I love it. Um, I'm, I'm inspired to do that next too. It's kind of like uh, <laughs> John Cusack and High Fidelity when he takes out his record collection and he puts them all alphabetical. Yeah. Now is the perfect that's, time to do that. That's, that's basically what we did, but not alphabetically. It was a far nerdier system than than that. But um, so Sonia, what about you? How how are you how are you holding up? Well, I've actually still been working like nine to five or nine to six every day, so that's like kept a very deep level of normalcy. But I'm still doing yoga. All of my favorite teachers are teaching on like Instagram live streams, so that's keeping me happy. And then. Um, just making sure I don't start drinking too early is a big one. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the tough thing is for, you know, us cinephiles and cinephiles 
around the country and I assume around the globe is most um, cinemas are closed right now. Well, especially in LA. I know in New York they are. My home away from home, the New Beverly, is closed for until further notice as is all theaters in LA. So that's what we're going to try and help you out with here today. Uh, We know the industry is getting hit hard. So for all of our filmmaker friends and all our cinephile friends, what we're doing today is we're going to do a Gimme Three. Each one of us is going to give you guys a double feature that you can watch at home while you are in this self-quarantining situation. So it should be fun. And we're not going to do Contagion and Outbreak. We're not going to try and freak everybody out. And I think everybody's already watched those in the first two days. So we're going to try and try and get a little more creative. Are you guys ready? Are you ready to have some fun? Yeah, let's jump in. Okay, so I'll get us started here. The first movie of my double feature is a little film. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Rear Window by an up-and-coming director named Alfred Hitchcock. I've heard of him. I I think he's going to do some good things. He's going to do some good things. He'll do some bad things, too. We'll talk about that later. But uh, (laughs) but he does some good things, too. Uh, So Rear Window, for those of you who don't know, is a classic. And it's about this man, Jeffries, who, picture this, He's stuck at home in his apartment. A horrifying thought. Only it's not because of a worldwide pandemic. It's because he has a broken leg. But in any case, he's stuck at home in his apartment. And of course, it's 1954. So Jeffries isn't binging on Netflix or listening to his favorite podcast, Film Forward. He's watching something far more entertaining. His neighbors. He is kind of creepily spying on his neighbors to the point of obsession, and he's so intently watching them that he thinks one of his neighbors has committed murder. So with the help of Lisa, this woman he unwillingly admits that he you know, loves, uh, and Stella, this is his visiting nurse, they dive into this rabbit hole, this gripping story, and it is, it's just incredible. Each time I watch this movie, it just gets better and better, and I find more things that are perfect in it with each viewing. I had the pleasure of seeing it last year, 35 mil at the Bev, and it was a gorgeous print, and it's just, I mean, this movie is really, really pretty to look at. But Ryan, I assume you've seen it? Uh, It's one of my top 20 favorite movies of all time. Top 20. Yeah, Rear Window is probably my favorite Hitchcock film and just just an incredible movie from beginning to end. Jimmy Stewart is dynamite. It has everything that you want out of Hitchcock. Jimmy Stewart is so yeah. much fun. He's funny. You got obviously your your typical like Hitchcock thrills. You know, there's there's the crime, the catalyst that's gonna take us from beginning to end. But as kind of like what you're saying too, you're so fascinated by all the supporting characters within this apartment complex. It's, you know, it's the, the, the woman exercising next door, you know, like the, the, obviously the, the creepy potential killer that he's like watching from day to night. There's so much going on just outside his window. Yes, I, I totally agree. What's also cool about this Hitchcock film is the first 30 minutes you know, he takes his time and really setting up like the humanity, not just of those, you know, of the people that he's spying on, but uh, the humanity of the two main characters and just how flawed Jeffries is. It's a terrific setup. And then it just dives into this beautifully put together mystery. It's really, really cool. The thing that I enjoyed watching it, I rewatched it today. You know, we we don't really interact with our neighbors so much anymore, but I was like, it's weird to watch this movie with, with a different lens, with a modern lens and kind of, especially now that we're all staying at home, we're kind of doing the same thing, but we're doing it through social media. 
you know, were like spying on each other through social media, which is like interesting to view this film through that perspective. Absolutely. Even during this quarantine too, like I feel like Jeffrey sometimes too, like I, I'm in my apartment complex looking out the window at 18 other units around me thinking, huh, I wonder what apartment 15 is doing today. What's going on <laughs> behind the door of apartment seven? Who are these people's lives? Right. And at this moment, you can assume that they're all actually home. So it's like there really is like 18 different lives happening 24-7 right outside your door. Yeah. Hopefully none of them are committing murder right now. Well, I'm sure at least a few of them are. Just- Apartment 12, 100%. <laughs> Uh-oh. Apartment 12, we're, we're watching you. If you're listening, we're watching you. So that's my that's the first movie of my double feature. The second movie of my double feature is by... A little guy named Alfred Hitchcock. And that movie is Rope. Both of these movies take place in one location. And both of them have the fantastic Jimmy Stewart. So it kind of, it felt like a nice, a nice double bill. You get this really exhilarating, powerful, beautifully shot rear window, which is just a, a mind bender and a classic. And then Rope is a lean 80 minutes and it's just fun. It's just a fun thrill ride. I think it's based off of a play. And for those of you who don't know what Rope is about, it's about these like two hoity-toity pompous pricks who murder their friend for fun, just for the thrill of it. Uh, And not only do they do that, but then they invite a bunch of people over to their house, uh, including the guy they murdered dad um and have a party with the body in the room just for the thrill like they've hidden the body but they they're throwing a soiree with this dead body hidden uh just so they can like i don't know for for sport that's the setup and it's it's a it's a crazy piece and this is also kind of sort of shot it, you know it's meant to be meant to look like it's one take there's a couple like right at the beginning and right at the end there's two like obvious cuts but this was done as a quote-unquote oneer before before that was cool, before all the cool kids were doing it. Yeah, so for anyone who's just seen 1917 or Birdman, what a great way to go back and kind of look at where, I'm not saying it initially started here, but definitely one of the pioneers for the uh, one-shot film, which I think at the end of the day, it really is only, what, 10 cuts in the entire film? Yeah, I think it, yeah, it's it's not a lot because, you know, not only is it one shot, unlike 1917 or Birdman that used those techniques, this really does take place in one house. So uh, the blocking is expertly done to where they just kind of like maneuver it. I think they used, yeah, I think eight or nine different mags and that, those those are the cuts. What's fascinating too for any like independent filmmakers that are listening as well, talk about like a movie too that you can do on a shoestring budget. This is a movie that takes place at, like you said, at a dinner party, one location, some stellar actors, and a great script. And the entire film lives and dies on that. Obviously, it was a different time, but I was looking at Rear Window was shot for a million bucks, which, you know, in 1953, that a million bucks went a lot farther. But for 1953, a million dollars for a Hitchcock film star, Jimmy Stewart, was still like not... Not a lot. Yeah, especially uh, when you have one of the biggest actors in the world at that time in your film. Well, and Grace Kelly. Not and Grace Kelly, yeah. Sonia, have you seen Rope? I have, actually. That's the first Hitchcock movie that I ever saw, I think. Nice. And I remember talking about it for like years and years, and nobody else I knew had seen it because my friends were children, as I was, and they were like, what? <laughs> Albert Hitchcock. <laughs> but I haven't seen it in a long time. If I recall, doesn't doesn't it also like have the dead body essentially in the foreground, like with the evidence 
like because there's like something that could give away the murder. Yeah, for moment, right? for there's a give it away. There's a lot of there's a lot of shots where the camera moves expertly in this movie, and but it's but it's also not in your face. But yeah, there are a lot of frames where you have you know the body which is in this chest um you know in the foreground and his poor father's in the background you know talking about him it's a heavy movie but it's it's more fun than heavy you know because it's it's pretty unbelievable (laughs) yeah just make sure that you're like at the edge of your seat at all times like the amount of danger these guys are in of getting caught is like so hyper present yeah nobody does it like hitchcock does it nobody does it like hitchcock does it uh nobody does one locations like hitchcock just nobody does thrillers and mysteries like hitchcock um if i were to do a triple feature i would throw dial m for murder in there because that's another one location flick that is uh just absolutely terrific but it's a double feature so i'm sticking with i'm sticking to the guns rear window and rope uh if you haven't seen them check it out if you have seen them check it out because it is uh they're always worth a rewatch that's why you call them classics um and yeah it's a, that's like a lean 4 hour 20 minute double feature right there lean mean and uh easy breezy are these movies available like on Netflix right now they are available thank you sonia for that <laughs> uh, they are available for free right now if you are a hulu subscriber uh and if you're not a hulu subscriber they're available to rent and or buy on all the other streaming platforms. That's my Hitchcock double. Sonia, what's your double feature? Well, I really wanted to put Cats in this double feature, the the film version of Cats that came out last year, but apparently I would have to have watched it before recommending that other people watch it, and I just couldn't bring myself to do that. Yeah, so. you can't recommend <laughs> a movie that you're not even willing to watch. That those were that was my one rule for this. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm kind of going to watch Cats this weekend. Whoa! Well, did you see Seth Rogen like, smoked a bunch of weed and live-tweeted as he watched Cats? And it <laughs> I heard pretty, it was incredible. It was pretty fun. I mean, I just read the tweets. Yeah. But uh, it made me consider watching cats um well i mean if we're gonna watch it that's the way we're gonna watch it right <laughs> at least want to see what everyone's talking about even if it is as bad as they say i want to know i want to go there <laughs> i mean the trailer made me uncomfortable so <laughs> we'll see <laughs> but anyway that is not on my double feature so just to preface the kind of theme of my double feature in this time of social distancing and not being able to physically touch you know, people and um, share like, you know, intimacy physically with, you know, even like with just friends and hugging and stuff. Um, I was watching a movie the other day and I kept noticing how often people like held hands and like touched each other's hands. And I was like, oh, back in the day when we could hold hands, what a great time. (laughs) So my theme is all about touch, human contact. And my first movie is Fallen which came out in 1998, I believe. And it stars Denzel Washington, John Goodman, Donald Sutherland, Aida Turturro, James Gandolfini, and a bunch of other great actors. The basic premise is that there's like a serial killer who is executed, but then somebody keeps committing these same um, style of crimes. And Denzel Washington is the cop who is being like targeted and like they call him every time they commit a crime. So he's trying to figure out how is this guy dead, 
but his crimes are still being committed. I'm kind of tr- like, I'm struggling with how much to give away because yeah, I don't, don't want to give away, give too, away much. too much. But um, let's just say that it has to do with... Uh, well, you can give away the, the... It's in the title. It has to do with him falling. What do you, no, the, oh, no. Okay, I guess I can give that away. The... No. This is the selling point of the film. Like, it was probably in the trailer. I, I should have watched the trailer. I just watched the movie instead. No, so basically, it's like a fallen angel or the devil who can move from person to person via touch. So this guy was, you know, inhabited by this, this like, evil fallen angel. Um, but once he died, it moved to somebody else. And now it's just on the move. And so it can move from person to person. And it's killing people. But um, it's also kind of stalking and tormenting Denzel Washington. So he's trying to figure out how to, you know, how to stop this angel and save himself and his family. But the physical body of his enemy keeps changing. So it's pretty like suspenseful. It's also got a lot of cool opportunities for actors to just have like a great moment. There's like scenes where maybe it switches between seven or eight people during a sequence and like you watch them each get inhabited and like how their face changes and, you know, and then how they feel and it leaves them again. Um, so yeah, super suspenseful has a super crazy ending that I remembered for 22 years. I've been talking about the ending of this movie and I hadn't seen it since it was in the theater. So it's like pretty, pretty impactful. <laughs> and pretty incredible song that runs through the whole movie as well. Oh yes. Oh yeah. It's the, this little known band called the Rolling Stones. Um, yeah, that's I feel like them and Hitchcock are really going to take off. They're going to take off pretty soon. One day they're going to, they're going to hit it big. We're spotting all the early talent. (laughs) That's what we do here on Film (laughs) Forward. We find you guys undiscovered talent. Hitchcock, Rolling Stones, Denzel Washington. Keep your eye out for these. (laughs) James Gandolfini also has a really just hilarious mustache. It almost makes it hard to take him seriously. (laughs) Um, have you guys seen it? Yeah, I saw it in the theaters in 1998 and kind of the same thing that Sonia said too. I remember sitting in the theater the second that movie ended and being speechless. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, same. I watched, uh, my mom is a, a big fan of this movie or at least was a big fan of this movie. Uh, so it was one of those movies that was kind of on rotation at our house. You know, Fallen was actually one of the first films I owned on DVD. It was like when we bought our DVD, we had those like five DVDs that came with it, you know, that had like the plastic little thing that, and the cardboard cover fallen was, uh, was one of our first DVDs. So yeah, so we watched it. We watched it quite a bit. I've always loved it. And like you guys said, the ending is just something that always stuck with me. Denzel is Denzel. What can you say? John Goodman is freaking awesome in this movie it's really really fun movie yeah i remember when it came out too like it was during that period where there was like so many of these kind of like um serial killer type of flicks and this was a definitely a fresh take on that but it's also a type of film that they don't really make anymore these days yeah so it's now like going back and rewatching something like this is definitely like a, a a fresh film you know for audiences nowadays yeah i agree i commented on that as well when mm-hmm. we were watching it on a side note, my first DVD that came with my first DVD player was The Shining, wow. which is also a nice uh, quarantine film. That is a quarantine <laughs> film. <laughs> so moving right along, my second movie in my double feature is Climax by Gaspar Noe. It came out last year in 2019. It's 
also about people being possessed in a way. In a way. <laughs> Hadn't thought about that connection. Yeah. Um, but there's a, it's a lot of touching and just a lot of people in like a cramped space. Like, and it's, it's a messed up, messed up movie. And so don't watch it if you don't like messed up movies, but um, it's pretty incredible. It starts in just this like really exhilarating, super long, I think one shot dance sequence. Like it's enthralling and it's sexy and it's like so exciting, but like also ominous as fuck. And then it just gets real dark and crazy from there. The basic premise is that this dance troupe is like alone in a building for the night and they're practicing for a performance and their punch gets drugged. And every person in this, you know, maybe 20 person dance troupe has to like face their demons while also dealing with each other and trying to like uh, stay safe because like, people seem to react very violently. It lets out their uh, their worst selves. Also, the music is like constant and just so intense. Nick, you saw it. Do you have anything to add? It was one of my favorite films from last year. It was it was in my top ten for sure. It might have been in my top five. Uh, I mean, it is a knockdown, drag out. Pardon my French here, but it's a fuck you in the skull movie. For anybody who's seen a Gaspar Noé movie, that's what you expect. But this one, I think, might have been like his most technically masterful. It's technically very impressive, really beautiful. And it, yeah, it just keeps raising the stakes on itself. And it just escalates to places that you don't want it to go, but you kind of want it to go at the same time. It's, uh, it's an impressive film. You'll watch it once and then say... Holy God, I never want to watch that movie again. And then a week later, you'll be like, maybe I want to watch that movie again. <laughs> uh, Ryan, did you see this flick? I have seen it. And what's uh, kind of interesting is kind of piggybacking off of what you said is you either love his movies or you hate his movies. But no matter what, after you're done watching one of his films, you cannot be affected by it. Oh, yeah. You remember them. You remember there's like there's so many images that just get stuck stuck in your brain that you can never let go even with some of his previous films like there's just image enter the void and uh irreversible Irreversible. uh just images that just are burned into your brain that you don't want there but they're there (laughs) uh when when the film first came out i remember i went inside at a nine o'clock screening at the arc light and uh nine o'clock in the morning ryan 9 a.m you know (laughs) breakfast Uh, but I, I couldn't get anybody else to, you know, that was down to go see the film. So I went by myself and in the theater, it was awesome. It was like, everybody else was also there by themselves. So it was always like random, like one person seats. And I was in the second row. And the second that film starts, obviously his opening title sequences are always crazy. So it just punches you in the face right there. And it does not stop until that movie concludes. Yeah. I remember just feeling like I was blasted back in my seat watching it in the theater like I couldn't move even if I wanted to and part of me really did want to it was almost a physically uncomfortable but like exhilarating experience <laughs> to watch it yeah. and no spoilers but for anyone that hasn't seen it it does start with what is got to be like what a half hour dance sequence so you just know going in, it's like, okay, this is the type of film it's going to be. They're not going to hold on to any type of convention. There's not going to be your typical A, B, and C plot. This is a one-of-a-kind experience. For sure. Yeah, that, it is a one-of-a-kind experience. If you want another one-of-a-kind experience, you're going to stick around after the break because Ryan is going to give us 
his double feature, his quarantine double feature. Stick around. We'll be right back with more on Film Forward. Hey, hey, it's Nick here, and we've got some tips on how to make your at-home movie experience similar to your theater movie experience. Number one, set the mood. Turn off the lights, close the shades, do anything you can to make it dark, just like a theater, and you could really immerse yourself in the film. Number two, make popcorn. One of the senses we associate with the theater more than any other is the sense of smell, in particular that beautiful aroma of popcorn. So pack yourself a bowl of popcorn. Number three, crank up the volume. If you're able to, get that volume nice and booming, just as if you were in a theater. Number four, finally, and maybe most importantly, turn that phone off. Put it on airplane mode, put it in another room. Whatever you gotta do, just make sure you don't touch your phone while you're watching the movie, because you shouldn't be touching your phone when you're watching a movie in a theater. I'm sure everybody could use a break from their phones right about now. We're probably looking at our phones 10 hours a day with bad news, so... You know, enjoy some good news. Enjoy some good films. Hope this helped you guys with your at-home movie experience, and hopefully we'll all be back at the cinemas soon enough. All right, my friends, welcome back to Film Forward Quarantine Edition. For those of you just joining us, you're not just joining us. This is a podcast. It's not radio. So if you're just joining us, that would be weird. Plus, hopefully you listened to the first half because that's, that's when I did most of the talking. Right, exactly. That was The, the first half was <laughs> the better half. Let's just be honest. Uh, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that segue. (laughs) Yes, it's time now for the best of the double features that we are offering from our lovely guest, Mr. Ryan Layson. Let's hear it, Ryan. All right. So I cheated just a little bit. Oh. So I got two features and a short film. I love it. I love it. But they all kind of like go together. They all kind of coincide. All three of them deal with isolation, loneliness, connection, and humanity for the sake of the features. They all take place in Los Angeles. And those films are... Magnolia, Beginners, and a short film called I Am Easy to Find. Okay, sweet. I'm familiar with the features. I am not familiar with the short. In that case, I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> uh, so Magnolia, which I'm sure a lot of people have seen. It's, you know, P.T. Anderson film. Tagline for it is, things fall down, people look up, and when it rains, it pours. Which doesn't tell you a ton about the film which is kind of what magnolia is tells you a lot about what's going on right now though doesn't it 100 <laughs> percent. to me like magnolia is it's it's about loneliness it's about all this lack of connection even in a place that is like so overcrowded like los angeles the film examines isolation between all these like interconnected characters and how each one of them are kind of dealing with their lives and their kind of failed dreams for the most part but they're all kind of connected through a thread that you know, as you watch the film, you start noticing that even us as humans in this quarantine, like you're in one apartment, someone else is another apartment, we're still all kind of connected in some capacity. The film stars, I mean, it's got a huge cast. I mean, you're talking about Tom Cruise, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, John C. Riley, uh, Julianne Moore, who's absolutely incredible in the movie. You guys have seen it, I assume, right? Yes. As one of my picks is in your top 20, one of your picks is in my top 20. Magnolia is in my top 20 films of all time. You know, there's a few movies I that were like my at-home film school that I would just watch over and over and over 
again and study and study the craft and study the performances. And Magnolia is one of those movies. Nick loves whip pans. I love whip pans. And if you love whip pans, Magnolia is the movie for you. <laughs> Magnolia has three hours worth of whip pans. For <laughs> um, I love it because it takes place in the valley and mostly in the East Valley. Um, I believe it's part, you know, partially named after Magnolia Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's so extra special to my heart. But talk about some of the best performances by actors in cinema history too. I mean, Tom Cruise giving like a career best. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's always incredible, definitely does not let you down here. John C. Riley. I mean, every single actor in this. And, and what's interesting too is I just rewatched it yesterday. And every time I watch the film, uh, I gravitate to a different storyline. So mm-hmm. you just be like, yes. oh yeah, I, love, I can't wait for the Tom Cruise scene to come up. And now I'm like, Oh, the Phil Baker Hall and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman stuff. Uh, th- this is so great. Next time I'd be like just captivated by Julianne Moore's storyline. But each one of them affects you in a different way every single time you watch the movie. Yeah, it's it's so dense in its story and in, in its themes that I mean, I don't know. I don't. I can't count how many times I've seen it. But each time I've seen it, I'm, I'm just discovering new stuff. It's powerful. And yeah, to go like all the performances are incredible, like you mentioned. But John C. Riley's performance in this movie is, I think, the unspoken MVP. I think it's definitely his best performance. Well, walk hard, walk <laughs> hard. But uh, but God, God damn, he's good in this movie, and he just rips your heart apart. And Melora Walters too. Their scenes mm. together, incredible. Yeah, it has like a nice, fun, whimsical fantasy aspect, or not mm-hmm. fantasy, magical aspect. Yeah. With like a sing-along scene and then obviously like a very crazy climax that we won't give away, which I love all that. Yeah. Uh, the, the climax is perfect for these times. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and what's interesting too about it being so fantastical is it always still feels like grounded in this like realism too that, you know, you feel for these interrelated characters like struggles through as they're searching for like love and forgiveness and just a meaning of life. And I feel like within like the crazy times of 2020, we're all kind of looking at, you know, the view of the world in that same type of way too. Yeah. I think Magnolia is a great movie to watch right now, just because perhaps it will make us feel less lonely in these very, very lonely, seemingly lonely times. We're in this together, friends. We're not actually lonely. We it just feels like we're lonely, but um, PTA, he understands. He gets it. He gets it. Uh, so it takes us to movie number two in your double feature marathon. And that is Beginners, a film by Mike Mills. And this is a movie that came out in uh, 2011, I believe. It's a small movie, even though it did win an Academy Award for Christopher Plummer, which I feel like a lot of people kind of forget about. But the film follows Oliver, who's played by the fantastic Ewan McGregor. And it opens up, he's in Los Angeles, he's depressed, he's struggling from his like failing career as an artist. His father just passed away, which is not a spoiler, happens in the first five seconds of the film. And his father, who's played again by Christopher Plummer, is 75 years old, and he just kind of came out of the closet a couple years before his death. So he was married to uh, Oliver's mom for their entire life. And then when she passed away, he decided that, hey, you know, I've been living alive my entire life. I'm coming out of the closet and I want to actually live as myself my last remaining years alive. 
And when we pick up the story, it's Oliver basically trying to figure out like where does his life kind of go on now after seeing his father find happiness, you know, at the last couple of years of his life. Have you guys seen it? Have I actually, uh, I just watched it last night, uh, for the first time ever. And I loved it particularly the, the scenes with Ewan McGregor and Christopher Plummer are just so much fun to watch. I could have watched 10 hours of those two guys, uh, just, uh, you know, in sharing the, sharing the frame together. They're, they're incredible. What about you, Sonia? Yes, I have also seen it. I, I had seen it a while ago, but I rewatched it again with Nick last night. And, um, I really liked the relationship between the dad and his like younger boyfriend mm-hmm. that he gets together with. I forget what his character's name is. Andy, I think. Andy. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I just, you know, I love that. I found it to be like super relatable. I felt like I knew, um, I knew him, the dad. Yeah, he's he's got a very, there's something about that performance that just invites you in and like, he doesn't even have that much screen time in the film, but it feels like he does. And it feels like you've known him for years and years and years, even though you, you haven't. <laughs> 100%. What's interesting, too, about the film as well, it's Mike Mills' directing style is also very intriguing to watch in reflection of like our society nowadays, too. Because half the film jumps between like time eras. So it'd be like, this is life in 2003. This is what the sun looks like. This is the president. These are the cars, the phones, the movies. This is life in 1955. This is what the sun looks like, the president, cars, phones, movies. And now you're looking at life in 2020, especially in our current situation. It's very different than, I mean, even if you're looking at it in 2016. Mm-hmm. And the film always kind of jumps uh, back and forth between like his his parents growing up and when they fell in love and like where their trajectory went. Oliver's path too and when he meets Melanie Loren, their kind of relationship and how that's kind of leading down their own, I guess, direction. For sure. There's something about the style that you were just alluding to that also while I was watching it last night, I was like, this is a great pairing because this style fits very well actually with the style in Magnolia, which is not a style that PTA uses in all his films, but he's, he's got this style in Magnolia where sometimes the characters are looking directly into the camera, telling you what's happening or telling, you know, introducing themselves or, uh, you know, telling you the setting that they're in or what's going to happen. And it matches very nicely the style of, of beginners. And I was like, hmm, I don't know if that was purposeful on your part, but it, it makes for a nice pairing. Yeah. What's also kind of interesting too, is like, you can even take the stories and beginners and put them in Magnolia. Mm. I don't think it'd be that far of a stretch to see like Ian McGregor's story in Magnolia take place within like the same setting of everybody in the Valley. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So to kind of go off that same uh, hook within beginners is the short film. I am easy to find. And I'm easy to find is directed by the same director, Mike Mills. Mm. And it's a 30 minute short film. It's black and white. And it stars Alicia Vikander. Oh. And the whole film is basically the birth, life, and death of one person. And Alicia Vikander plays that character from birth all the way to death. So she's playing the character at like, you know, one years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, 30, all the way up into, you know, like 80s. And it's this like kind of fascinating look. It's done in the same type of directing styles as Beginners, where it's 
he jumps around on life to show you like, okay, this is what birth looks like. This is what conflict looks like. This is what energy is. This is reflection upon like, you know, your childhood best friend. This is what it looks like to fall in love. This is what it looks like to have these bright colors in your life. This is what it looks like when they're like desaturated. And it's kind of on the same line as Magnolia and Beginners. It's all about a person just trying to like find hope and find connection in this world. And, you know, we're, we're surrounded by people all the time. I mean, nowadays it's obviously a little bit more quarantine surroundings, but we're always still like searching for a connection. And I think all three of these films kind of show like our innate like desire to to have that, you know, humanistic connection. Give us the title one more time, Ryan, of this short. It's called I Am Easy to Find. And it's actually, it's available for free. You can uh, just, it's on YouTube or you can just search I Am Easy to Find. And uh, there's a website where you can watch it. Excellent. When was it made? Uh, I believe it came out last year. Oh, wow. So it's new. Yeah. So Mike Mills basically did, after Beginners, he did 20th Century Women uh, with Annette Benning, which was also nominated for an Oscar. And then this is uh, the short film they made right after that. Amazing. Amazing. That's a great, we'll call it a triple feature. Now yeah. I know what Nick's going to do for the rest of the night. Yes. <laughs> Cancel your plans. <laughs> so there you go, my friends. You got three amazing double features for you guys who are all staying at home and i hope you are staying at home again to recap we've got the hitchcock one location double feature of rear window and rope we've got the get your hands off of me double feature of fallen and climax and then we've got the loneliest people in la block with beginners magnolia and i am easy to find ryan did you have fun with us today love it guys now i'm excited to go watch uh, all your films too so we hope you enjoy we hope that uh, you guys check out these double features and we hope that they offer you some escapism and if you do watch these double features let us know what you think in our comments section or you can hit us up on instagram at la diversity film fest you can follow me on letterboxd at nicholas ibarra you can follow sonia on letterboxd at sonia m that's sonia with a j you can follow anslam on letterboxd at anslam <laughs> uh, and I think Ryan's on. Are you on Letterboxd, Ryan? I am. Uh, R. Lason. Yeah, R. Lason. I, I can't remember my password in order to get into it. Okay. But once cool. I figure that out, I'm back Woo-wee. in. Once he gets that password going, watch <laughs> out. Thanks again for joining us on Film Forward. Stay safe, stay busy. More importantly, stay at home. We love you guys. Later. Bye. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.